I'm Austin White with White Farms in Vernon, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, we are locked, loaded and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've heard a lot about expanding meat processing capacity here in the U.S. this year. But did you know livestock auctions are not allowed to participate in that part of the industry because of a very old law? We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The amount of milk coming from Texas continues to go up and up. And dairies in the Texas High Plains are certainly doing their part to make it happen. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas farmers and ranchers are among agricultural producers across the nation who are voting in USDA's Farm Service Agency County Committee elections. The deadline to submit ballots is December 5th, 2022. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall. Parts of East Texas are recovering from the storms that recently passed through this area. From tornadoes to high winds, didn't damage the hunting season though, it's in full swing. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We have heard a lot of talk this year about the need to expand hook space in the meatpacking industry. And a lot of work has been done to make that happen. In fact, right here in Texas, we have a big plant announced to be built in the Texas Panhandle in the coming year. And we hear word of other smaller packers expanding. But livestock auction owners cannot participate in that. It's a little bit wild, but there's actually a Packers and Stockyards prohibition that a livestock auction owner or manager can't own or finance a packer. And that might have made sense back in the day of the terminal stockyards. But in today's open, transparent livestock auction markets, there's really no need to have this prohibition. And especially when we are trying as kind of a cattle community um, to get more local and regional packers, we've got markets interested in that, that want to open up a small processing facility, or maybe they want to be an investor in one of these more regional models. They can under the current law. That's Chelsea Good with the Livestock Marketing Association. She says there is a lot of interest from auction market owners. More than you would expect. We're getting a lot of calls from folks, and some of them just want to be an investor. Well, there's one in Texas that, you know, is taking on investors. It's more of a regional-sized facility. People want to participate in something like that. Or some of them do want to buy or even build a local locker kind of size, and it's something that they should have the ability to do, and we're trying to get them that ability. But it is not an easy task. Congress has to change the law. So the LMA has a bill to do just that. 
the A-plus act in the House. It would allow a livestock auction owner to own or finance a packer so long as it's less than 2,000 head a day, so kind of smaller than the top 10 beef packers. The bill has been introduced in both the House and the Senate and has bipartisan support, although Good thinks it will probably be the next Congress that will take the issue up. USDA's monthly cattle on feed report was released Friday, and it was a friendly report for the cattle market. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum takes a look at the numbers. The number of cattle on feed on October 1st was about 11.7 million head, which was about 2% below a year earlier. During October, producers placed about 2.1 million head of cattle in feedlots, which was about 6% less than a year ago. And the number of fed cattle marketed during October was 1.8 million head, just under 1% above a year ago. Shagam says that placement's number was lower than most analysts were expecting. In fact, it's the lowest October placement's number on record since the report began back in 1996. And it just further confirms that we will continue to see a shrinking cow and calf herd. Right now we are continuing to see very large cow slaughter. So at the moment it doesn't appear that there is incentive. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum. The amount of milk produced here in Texas continues to go up. James Hunt tells us dairies on the Texas High Plains are doing their part to make that happen. USDA's monthly milk production report shows the output from Texas dairies in October was up 7% compared to the same month a year ago. Darren Turley of the Texas Association of Dairymen tells me he expects this trend of more milk coming from our state to keep on going. Texas has been very fortunate to see the growth and the production increase we have, and I think we're going to continue to see that. We have two new plants coming in in the panhandle that's going to require quite a bit more milk, uh, and that's going to continue to see us grow and thrive. We continue to have a big influx of people coming to our state, so our market is strong and continues to grow, and that's also going to help us in the future as we see dairy move along. And, of course, our neighbors to the south, our biggest exporters is Mexico, and we're continuing to see more and more products uh, be introduced into their market and accepted and then growing the ability to export. So with one in six of every milk trucks going into exports now, I think the future is very bright for Texas dairy farmers. Of course, our region has a lot to do with the increased production as the vast majority of Texas milk comes from the Texas High Plains. Looking ahead, Turley believes that Texas, currently number four, will become the nation's number three milk producing state in the next year or two. The dairy industry is really limited on its way to make money and the really only way a producer can increase their income is to make more milk. And so producers do that very well. As you can see, we continue to increase our production and production per cow and we are very rapid about spreading technology across the industry. If something works on this dairy farm, it will be accepted by other dairy farms very quickly. The two new plants Turley mentioned coming to the Panhandle are the Cacique operation in Amarillo and the Laprino facility in Lubbock. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farm Service Agency County Committee elections are now underway. Rod Bain has the story from Washington. 
ballots for the county committee elections must be postmarked or received by the local USDA service center by December 5th. FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau says this is the latest step in the process in the annual county committee elections. This past summer, producers in local administrative areas nominated themselves or another farmer involved in USDA farm programs to run for county committee seats. County committees provide an opportunity for producers to play a meaningful role in delivering farm programs. But in order for county committees to be effective, they must truly represent all producers within that area. County committee members apply their judgment, experience, and knowledge when making local decisions to help us deliver our programs and services. Things like producer appeals, conservation programs, hiring the county executive directors, and administering disaster programs are all part of the role of the county committee. So 2022 is also a historic election cycle for the FSA county committee process in this regard. We now have several urban county committees beginning to stand up. We're going to have these urban county committees in many of our biggest urban centers across the country to help focus some attention on urban agriculture and the innovative agriculture that's happening right there within some of our metropolitan areas. If a producer does not receive their ballot by mail, they can request one through their local USDA service center. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Parts of East Texas are recovering from recent severe storms. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. In East Texas, 2022 cannot draw to a close quick enough for some folks. Well, we saw the snowmageddon in uh, late winter, big ice storms at that time. Early spring, it was rains more than we needed. Then an extended dry period uh, that showed and slowed a lot of hay production. Well, then the fall tornadoes came with the high winds, but recovery has been the key in the fields and hay meadows of East Texas all year long, it seems like. Many of our producers recouped on the hay late in the fall, but the quality is very low. So they resorted to having alfalfa shipped in from those alfalfa-producing areas up in the Midwest, even all the way up to South Dakota. Might be a little expensive on the transportation cost, plus the cost of the product is more this year than in normal times, but it's well worth the while to have this high-quality hay for our cattle in the wintertime because we are mostly cow-calf producers in East Texas. Now, the deer season, it's in full swing, and reports of harvest are good. This is always a spirit lifter in this area. And then we also have people coming in from out-of-state areas where they are leasing farms and ranches for day leasing. And this is adding extra income to the people's pockets. So they are appreciative of that. And it has worked very well for us here in the area. So we look forward to that industry growing in the future as well. Now, the calving for fall calves is very good. Weather's been good, so we're looking for a good crop all the way around there here in this East Texas area. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has announced a new Endangered Species Act listing that could impact landowners in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And in about six months, it will be much tougher for livestock producers to get antibiotics. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells why coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Starting June the 11th of next year, over-the-counter antibiotics will not be available for livestock producers. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. This means that at that time, all antibiotics for livestock will require a prescription from a veterinarian. So in about six months, livestock producers will be unable to go to the feed store or other agricultural entities and purchase antibiotics like penicillin. The Food and Drug Administration indicates that the reason for this rule is to control the use of antibiotics to help decrease antibiotic resistance that is a major problem in humans and animals. By requiring a veterinarian to write a prescription for the antibiotics, they are hoping that the antibiotics will only be used when a veterinarian feels antibiotics are indicated. Whether this regulation is a good idea or not does not really matter. The most important thing is for producers to deal with the change. And Dr. Linda Tukovsky from Boringer Ingelheim Animal Health indicates at Drovers.com that it is important for producers to take inventory of the drugs you are routinely using and will not be able to purchase over-the-counter. It is possible antibiotics are being used when other options for treatment are available, so talk with your veterinarian about other options for treating some diseases that do not include antibiotics. And speaking of your veterinarian, all antibiotics used will have to be scripted by a veterinarian, and you will need a valid client-patient relationship with your veterinarian for them to legally write a prescription. This means different things to different vets. So you need to talk to your vet to determine what type of exam will be required of your operation or animals in order for the veterinarian to write a prescription. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has announced a new Endangered Species Act listing that could affect landowners right here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. More than a year after public comment closed on the topic, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced last week that it has listed two distinct population segments of the lesser prairie chicken under the Endangered Species Act. The southern population segment, which includes lesser prairie chicken populations in eastern New Mexico and the southwest Texas panhandle, has been listed as endangered. The northern population segment of lesser prairie chickens has been listed as threatened. That population segment includes prairie chickens in southeastern Colorado, south-central to southwestern Kansas, western Oklahoma, and the northeast Texas panhandle. According to Fish and Wildlife, the listings are needed as lesser prairie chicken populations have declined drastically over the years due to habitat loss and fragmentation. The service reports that a review of past, present, and future threats to the lesser prairie chicken finds the southern population segment is in danger of extinction and the northern population segment is likely to become endangered in the foreseeable future. 
Amy Letters, FWS's Southwest Regional Director, said the lesser prairie chicken's decline is a sign of our native grasslands and prairies in peril. She said the service will continue to work with stakeholders to develop voluntary conservation agreements that will protect the lesser prairie chicken and the native grassland it depends on, while assuring the oil and gas, renewable energy development, ranching, agriculture, and other activities continue. FWS also announced it is finalizing a Section 4D rule designed to conserve the northern population segment of lesser prairie chickens while allowing greater flexibility for landowners and land managers. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It is time once again to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Despite a bullish cattle on feed report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture released Friday afternoon, the cattle complex traded mostly lower Tuesday afternoon, perhaps due to this abbreviated trading week due to the Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday. December live cattle up 25 cents to 153.80. February live cattle down 30 cents to 156.42. April live cattle down 22 cents to 159.90. January feeder cattle down 95 cents to 181.67. March feeder cattle down 52 cents to 184.57. April feeder cattle down 12 cents to 187.92. Boxed beef was higher Tuesday. Choice up $1.96 to $257.53. Select up $1.84 to $235.07. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Russell Heller and his family own and operate Lexington Livestock Commission Company. Of course, it's in Lexington. They sell every Saturday. Russell, how was this last Saturday sale? Yes, sir. Had a real good sell, 1,417 total head with 198 cows. Good count to walk the pins with us. Okay. On the thinner packer cows, 25 to 50, and the better cows, 51 to 79. On the steering bull calves, 3 to 4 pounds, 120 to 235. 4 to 5 weights, 115 to 218. 5 to 6 weights, 110 to 195. 6 to 7 weights, $1.05 to 183. 7 to 8 weights, $1 to 170. On the heifers, 3 to 4 pounds, 115 to 205. 4 to 5 weights, 110 to 190. 5 to 6 weights, $1.05 to 170. 6 to 7 weights, $1 to 155. 7 to 8 weights, 95 to 140. Good. What was the count again? 1,417. Have you had any moisture since you and I spoke on Thursday? Yes, we did. Friday morning we had uh, four tenths, and then Saturday we had eight tenths, and then this 
uh, early Monday morning, it started raining again, and it's kind of raining right now. Well, good deal. I'm glad for that, and I know a little moisture on sale day doesn't hurt nothing. Yeah, slow the numbers down a little bit, but that's okay. We'll take it. Right. Now, we will not have a sale this week, but we'll be coming back for how many? Three more before the holiday? Yes, sir. Three more sales in December. Well, tell everybody, Russell Heller, how to get a hold of you for the regular East Saturday sale in Lexington. Sure, you get me on my cell, and that number is 979-820-7002. Russell, y'all have a good turkey day, and we'll get ready for those next three sales. Thank you so much. Same to you, Larry. Thank you. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. All right, thank you, Larry. December lean hogs rose 45 cents Tuesday to 84.25. February lean hogs down 7 cents to 90.07. Block cheese was unchanged Tuesday at $2.20. The barrel cheese price fell 3.75 cents to $1.80. November class 3 milk up a penny to 21.03 a hundredweight. December class 3 milk down 23 cents to 21.02 a hundredweight. As you may remember, the cotton market closed lower to limit down on Monday due to fears of new COVID-related closures in China and as a result of a stronger dollar. While on Tuesday, the market rebounded on a more positive outlook or more optimism among traders. December cotton up 206 points to 83.22. March cotton up 264 points to 82.42. December 2023 cotton up 115 points to 77.62. With 96% of the U.S. corn harvest complete and lackluster export demand, corn prices fell on Tuesday. December corn down two and three quarters to 656 and three quarters. March corn down four and a quarter to 659 and a quarter. September corn down three and a quarter to 616. December hard red wheat down eight and three quarters to 925 and a half. March hard red wheat down 10 and three quarters to 912. July hard red wheat down 12 and a quarter to 896 and three quarters. December natural gas rose six cents Tuesday to 684. January natural gas up 23 cents to 746. We saw crude oil prices rise over 2% Tuesday. According to Reuters, that's because Saudi Arabia said that OPEC Plus was sticking with its plan to cut output and could take further steps to balance the market. January crude oil up $1.06 to 81.10 a barrel. February crude oil up 97 cents to 80.88 a barrel. The Dow rose 376 points Tuesday to 34,077. The S&P 500 rose 49 points to 3,998. And the Nasdaq rose 115 points to 11,140. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.